0: I can remember many years ago when I had the privilege of being a camp director. And we had a hundred little 4th through 6th grade boys and girls. They would arrive just in time for supper on Sunday night and we would stay together through Friday. But on Sunday as they arrived and they went to their cabins and before we did anything else I gathered them all together around the flagpole. And there was a sense of excitement, a week of camp, away a week away from home and from mom and dad and there's a swimming pool and, and there's paddleball courts and, and there's baseball diamonds and a basketball court and, and you could just That Sunday afternoon, you could just feel the excitement. But as I gathered them around that flagpole, the first thing I had to do was to tell them about the rules. Was to tell them what was expected of them and how they were to behave and what they were to do while they were at the camp that week. It wasn't the most exciting part about camp. In fact, usually as I was going over the rules and the directions that they would need to take heed to, as camp began, you could have this sense of, okay already, let us loose, let us go do things, let us have fun, enough, let's go, get over. As I stood there and said, rule number 12 i say all that because we find ourselves with the children of israel gathered around moses they're about ready to go into that land that was promised to them many many years ago there no doubt would have been somewhat of an excitement we're about ready to go into that land that land with flows with milk and honey perhaps some apprehension because we know there's giants living in that land but God's promise he's going to give us that land and Moses says before we go in let me talk to you about how you're to behave what God expects of you what his commandments are for you as you enter into that land. And he began to speak. And so as the children were about ready to enter into that land, there was these words of instruction that Moses now gives to them. But, but as he gives them these commands... These responsibilities, how how they were to behave themselves in this land. He also says, All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give you and your fathers. These rules may seem tedious. You may be excited about going into that land. But I want you to know, if you want to know God's blessing, if you want the biggest benefit out of being in that land, then you must listen carefully to what I say. And you must obey these things carefully. Now, what are the commands? was that they were to honor those in authority. Whether that's family, honor your father and your mother, or whether that be in the church, or or whether that be over the nation. Those in authority, you're to honor. You're to submit and obey them as they lead you. Now this commandment, Moses began opening up back in chapter 16 and verse 18, and he's opening up this commandment all the way to the end of chapter 18, which is where we are this morning. He reminds them that as they enter into that land, there would be disputes and they would appoint for themselves judges who would not take bribes, who would not be prejudiced, but would be used to settle those disputes. So so you have the judges that, that you will appoint for yourselves. And then He goes on and says, and you'll have kings. There will be a king that that I appoint, the king that I choose. He he will be the one who will rule over you, but but He will rule over you seeking to have you obey what God has said you ought to be doing. And then he says there will be priests. And these priests have the responsibility of, of bringing you to God. It is the priest that will be the means by which you as a people will continually draw near to God as they sacrifice on your behalf. And by the way, there will be prophets. And those prophets will be men who bring God's Word to you. The priests bring you to God... The prophets will bring God to you. And that's where we find ourselves this morning, speaking about those prophets. So there in Deuteronomy 18, starting in verse 9, we read these words. And when you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through fire, one who uses divination or practices witchcraft or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer or one who casts spells or a medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things Things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable things, the Lord will drive them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God for those nations which you shall dispose. Listen to those who practice witchcraft and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen, and you shall listen to him. This according to all that you ask of, a, of the Lord your God in Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see this great fire any more, or I will die. And the Lord said to me, they have spoken well, I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in my name, or or speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. You may say in your heart, How will we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not come about, or come true, that is, the thing which the Lord has not spoken, the prophet has spoken it presumptuously, and you shall not be afraid of him. So so here's the direction that, that God gives concerning the work of the prophet. And the direction that God gives His people concerning how they are to respond to the prophet. And and we'll open this passage up under two headings. I looked at your outline in the bulletin and notice I didn't leave a blank on the second one. I filled it all in for you this, evening, this morning. You can thank me later. But the first point is this. We find here in these verses a command to avoid. A command to avoid... And then secondly, we notice together a promise to assure. A command to avoid and a promise to assure. Here in verses 9 through verse 14, we have this commandment to avoid. And as we think about it, we do so, first of all, considering the strong admonition that's given. God says to His people, when you go into this land, you will find people there that already occupy the land. Now, they were to subdue them. They were were to cast them out. But He says, when you go in, you will find that these men, these families do not know the true and the living God. However, that doesn't mean that they're not religious it doesn't mean that they're they're not seeking a god of some type it does not mean that they've cast out or cast off any thoughts of any higher power you will find just the opposite they will have many gods and they will respond to their gods in various ways and they too will long to hear from their so-called gods and they will try all kinds of methods to do so including human sacrifice a a willingness in order to gain the favor of their God to sacrifice their son or their daughter, believing that in sacrificing them, they might gain their God's favor. They'll also have various ways in which they will seek to hear from their God. And and he mentions those various things. There's divination, witchcraft, omens, sorcerers, casting spells, a medium, spiritist, one who calls one up from the dead. Now, I I could take the time of trying to define every one of these terms and and what it was exactly like. You you have some idea of what it's like. You know, people have seances in which they try to hear from their great-grandmother who died ten years ago Uh, but but she died separated from us. And so we want to know, was she in pain? Was she in pain when she died? And and then they wait to hear as to how she died and, and so forth. Or, or, or my little little Timmy Timmy died at such a young age, and I just want to make sure he's okay. I I just want to make sure he's fine. So so let's try to conjure him up, and let's hear from him, or at least maybe his grandparents saying, "Oh, we've got him with us. He he's doing well." In, in the book of of Ezekiel. It speaks about taking bones, animal bones, and and throwing them on the ground. And as they landed, they would then try to figure out what God was trying to tell them. If it was pointing a certain direction, or if one bone laid on another bone, it, it had certain interpretations that they would give to what their God was trying to say to them. We know at one point that Saul himself even went to a spiritist in order to figure out what the future held. That's what's going on in these lands. But notice the strong admonition that God gives to them. When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, You shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. Don't you inquire and learn about their practices. When when you go into this land, be careful that you're not influenced by what's going on, in their so-called spiritual world, which is filled with evil and dark forces, don't you engage. The Lord knew that there was something in them that would cause them to inquire and perhaps even seek after these ungodly practices. Y- you would hear about a man who had an enemy, and this man believed that, that he could he could use evil or he wouldn't say evil, he could use his spiritual forces to go then and curse that man who was his enemy. And you find out that the man who was cursed ended up with leprosy and is dying. And you think to yourself, you know, I've got a few enemies. <laughs> Maybe. Or, or you hear about someone whose family member had perished and they, and they, and they spoke to them. And you think to yourself, oh, I would love to speak to my mama one more time. Or there was a man who had to make a decision about whether or not to begin a new business. And he cast some bones upon the ground and he believed as he read those bones that, that he ought to pursue that business and it would be successful. And lo and behold, guess what? The man has this successful business. And you're thinking to yourself, boy, I want to prosper that way. God knew that these people could be very well drawn to ungodly Detestable practices. And part of us may even... I mean, there's times when I read something like this and I think to myself, God, why in the world would you have to say this? Why would you have to tell these people, do not listen and do not learn their ways after all you've done for them? You, you've, you've, you've parted the Red Sea. You've you provided direction for them with a, a cloud and by fire. Uh, you, 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 in a marvelous way, gave them manna. Look at what their God has done for them. Why in the world would they even desire to learn these things? But God knew there was something within them that would say, I'm curious. I'd like to know how that happens. Maybe I would just try it once to see how it works. And then, when I begin to question that, what do you suppose I do? I look at myself. And I have to confess my own proneness to wonder. My, my own proneness to leave the God that I love. This, this is a strong admonition. You shall not learn from them. Verse 14, For those nations which you shall dispose listen to those who practice witchcraft dividers but as for you the Lord your God has not allowed you to do so but notice not only do we have a strong admonition but we have some pretty powerful motivations powerful motivations to stay away from such things for these people number one it's a detestable thing to the Lord. It is an abomination. Even if they thought to themselves, well, I'm just going to play around with it a little bit. I, I, I'm not going to get really involved. I'm just going to dabble in it. God says it's a detestable thing, and He doesn't take that lightly. It's consorting with the powers of Darkness. Another powerful motive is it, it brings about injury to them. It brings about injury to them. God says, listen, I'm going to cast these people out. As you obey me, I will cast them out of the land. But I want you to know, don't, don't think, well, we're God's people. Nothing will happen to us. He says, I want to make it clear, I'll do the same thing to you. I'll cast you out of the land. Boy, what a reminder for us. When you take lightly your sin, or you don't think it's a big deal, and you convince yourself it's not all that big of a problem, because I'm a child of God's, you're walking on very dangerous ground. Read Hebrews chapter 6. But a third motivation. The third motivation is this. It is contrary to a blameless life. It's contrary to a blameless life. Look at verse 13. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. In other words, you can't say... That you didn't know any better. You can't say, I I never knew that. You knew. God made it clear, when you enter into that land, don't you learn of these things. And then you get over there, you think you practice such things. Don't say, I didn't know, I didn't know that. You know, how many, and, you know you, you've probably heard that before if you had children, right? I, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. And you look them in the eye and you say, did you not listen to mommy and daddy when we told you? And yet we treat God the same way. At the end of the day, we can't say, but God, I didn't know. You've been taught the Word of God. You've been taught the truth of God's Word. When you fall into sin, you've chosen that path. And if someone could have been there and would have been before you and said, do you know this is wrong? In all likelihood, you would say... Yes, I know it's wrong, but I'm just going to dabble in it. I, I don't believe it's going to hurt me too bad. I'm just going to play with it a little bit until you get sucked in. And then it hurts. hurts your testimony. It hurts the testimony of Christ. God takes sin very seriously. Yes, listen, and I don't want to put anybody on... unnecessary guilt trip. God is a God of grace. He does forgive. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But I believe from this passage we learn God takes sin seriously. And don't you dare dabble in it. I didn't know. I didn't know stealing was wrong. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. I, I didn't know looking on the computer at those things would, would have an effect upon my... Yeah, yeah, you did. You knew. You did. I, I didn't know that gossiping... Was all that big a deal? Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. God says to these people, when you go into that land, don't learn of their evil ways and don't you dare start dabbling with those evil forces of darkness because you won't be blameless. You've been warned. And any time that That I sin, I choose to do so against God's will. And so we have this this powerful admonition and, and this strong admonition and this powerful motivations, first of all, given to us in this command to avoid. But then, secondly, here we find a promise to ensure. A promise to assure. I mean, the question could be asked, okay, if, if we can't hear from so-called gods by, by these things, by these divinations or by these omens or, or by these calling up people from the dead, how will we hear from God? How, how will God speak to us? And here in verse 15, God gives them a promise. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like Me from among you, your countrymen, and you shall listen to Him. Three things I would point out in the passage that's before us. First of all, verses 15-18, to we have the model given. And the model given is this. I, I will give you a prophet and he will be just like Moses. Remember earlier... When they were standing there at Mount Horeb, or Mount Sinai, same place, and God spoke to them. And there was great fire and there was rumbling. And God spoke to them. And He set before them His Word, His commandments, those ten words. And when it was all done, the people were petrified. And they said to Moses, I don't want that to happen ever again. We need someone who will be a mediator. And Moses was chosen to be their prophet, their mediator, who God would then speak to, and and then he would speak to the people. And God promises them, I will give you, and notice what it says not prophets, but a prophet. Now, I think that has reference to all the prophets that would follow Moses, the prophets that we hear and read of in the Word of God. Daniel, Ezekiel, Malachi, Amos. God would speak to those men through visions and dreams, and and then they would tell him or tell the people what God had to say. He would be just like Moses in being God's means of communicating to God's people this prophet would be appointed by the by the Lord himself the Lord your god will raise up a prophet like me he would be given the god's word he's not to speak his own opinions He's not to say what he wants what he thinks the people want to hear. The issue is this: Thus saith the Lord, He will speak my words. And he'll commune with the people directly. He will tell them. Here's God's clear direction. But as, as you think about that, Right. I, I'm going to appoint a prophet. I'm going to give him my words. And then he's going to give my words to you. You know what we see here? God loves, delights in commuting with His people. God loves to speak to His people. Remember when Elijah was... There with the prophets of Baal. And the prophets of Baal were trying to get Baal to bring fire down from heaven. And they were crying out. They were cutting themselves. Speak to us. Speak to us. God's not that way. He wants to speak to you. He has something to say to you. He wants to commune with you. That that ought to encourage your heart that God, who created the universe and everything in it, wants to talk to you. And He does, through His Word. He speaks God's Word to us in the Scriptures. How often when we sit down and we pick up God's Word do we, do we realize this, this is God's communication with me. God's talking to me. Remember back in the old days? It's a shame when you get that age where everything is back in the old days. But you know, Back in the old days when, when you were apart from somebody and you hadn't heard from them for a while and one day you go to the post office there's a letter, and how I, you're walking from the post office, you're walking from the mailbox back up to the house, and you can't even hardly wait to get inside to open it up, because you want to see what they have to say. Remember that? Nowadays it's a text, <laughs> and, and they're not as exciting anymore. It's like not another one. <laughs> All right. But how often do we come to God's word? Privately and say, God, this is you. This is you. You're, you sent me something here. You're, you're talking to me. Or how often do we come to church and we think to ourselves, Hey, we want to hear from God. It, it's nice to see Pastor Walt, but we want to hear from God. What does God have to say? God delights to commune with His people directly. That's His heart. Don't miss that, that point. We have his revelation. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad I'm here now because I have the completed word of God. I I'm, I'm not waiting for a prophet to come up and tell me what God. I have his word. And we get to read it. I'm not waiting for somebody to read it to me. I get to read it. So that's the model notice the mandate given the mandate given is this listen to him listen to what he says verse 19 and it shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words which i speak which he shall speak in my name i myself will require of him you 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 will answer me if you don't listen to what the prophet Has to say, listen to Him. Listen to My words. That's the first mandate. And the second mandate is this. Ignore false prophets. Ignore those who will come along who will presumptuously in God's name tell you, this is what God said to me. God has told me this. Don't listen to them. Ignore those false prophets. I, I take that very seriously. Notice there in verse 20 that the prophet who speaks the word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or he speaks in the names of other gods, that prophet shall die. That's, that's pretty serious. Death penalty. Upon the man who speaks presumptuously in God's name, Jeremiah speaks about those who speak on behalf of God, but God has not called them false prophets. Or those who speak in the name of other gods. Ignore them. So we have a model. He's going to be like Moses. We have the mandate. Listen to His Word and ignore the false prophets. But then thirdly, He sits down and, and gives us the marks. The marks stated. The marks of a false prophet. He says there in verses 21 and 22, You may say to your in your heart, How will we know the words which the Lord has not spoken? And when the prophet speaks in my the name of the Lord, if the thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. If he says something and it doesn't come true, then don't believe him. Don't recognize him as a prophet and do not fear what he has declared. So we have this. So here we have the promise assured, I will send a prophet. By way of application to all this, just let me mention a couple things. First of all, as I was reading through this and considering this this week, I thought to myself, well, you know, I'm really not... I'm really not thinking that anybody here, maybe, I don't know, but I don't think any of you have voodoo dolls at home. You know, here's Pastor Walden, I'll get him sticking pins in him. I don't think anybody practices that. I hope not, especially if it's Pastor Walden, but I hope not. I don't think anybody's having seances. You know, as, as I prayed for you this week. I I, haven't pray, I, don't, I didn't think, think about praying for anybody saying, Lord, help them to see the evils of their seances. Stop this. As far as I know, none of you had a major decision to make this week and got some bones of animals and threw them on the floor and, and then deciphered what it meant. But I am concerned for myself and for you That when God speaks, and when God tells us what is right and what is wrong, are we obeying? When God's word is clear, is there obedience? Immediate obedience. And, and it wouldn't be shocking if even this morning in this place, maybe, maybe we're not guilty of, of sorcery or omens or conjuring up the dead, but, but, but could it be that, that some of us know there's areas in our lives that are contrary to the clear revealed Word of God and we're still dabbling in it. We're, we're still hoping nobody finds out. and that we can get away with it. You won't get away with it. Far better to confess it as sin. Acknowledge it. Ask for forgiveness and and He will forgive. But listen to the voice of God. And when God's Word is clear, obey it. Do it. The, The second word of application is one that I trust just fills our heart with great delight and joy. And by that I mean this. From the time all these things were pronounced, there was never, ever a perfect king until Christ. There was never, ever a perfect priest until Christ. And there was never, ever a perfect prophet until Christ. Christ is the very fulfillment of all these things. He is the one that now rules perfectly in my life. He is the one who has sacrificed Himself becoming sin for me that I might draw near to God. He is the true prophet. He said Himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Blessed be God for the Word incarnate, Jesus Christ. Look over in closing to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. And the writer of Hebrews reminds us of these things and how thankful we ought to be for Jesus Christ who is our prophet, priest, and king. And here in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 says, Therefore, brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the Apostle, the one sent by God to us, and the priest, the one who goes to God for us, of our confession. We, we acknowledge that, that He is my priest, He is my King, He, he is the one sent to me from God. He goes on to say, He was faithful. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Ah, where did we get that from? I will send you one who is greater than Moses. Who's that? Jesus Christ. How our hearts should be thrilled and how we should give praise for this one who's greater than Moses, Jesus Christ, our prophet, priest, and king, who we now live under. How thankful I am that I didn't live back in the old covenant. I'm part of the new covenant. Because I have the Word of God and I have Christ. How thankful we ought to be for such things. And so Moses ends this section dealing with honoring those in authority and how we're to look to them. And may God help us to learn from their experience. And may we be found obedient to the King. May we be found thankful for the priest. And may we delight in the Word and communion that we have with our great God. Let's pray. Father, again, thank You for Your Word. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And and we pray that You would help us to be obedient to that Word. And and Father, we thank You that You're a forgiving God. We thank You that You're a God of grace. We bless You for that. We need Your forgiveness. We have failed many, many times. But Father, we pray that You would help us to pursue being a people who are obedient to Your Word. That You might delight. These are my mothers and these are my brothers and sisters. Those who hear the Word of God and do it. May You help us to so live out what You have taught us. As we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now in closing, take your Trinity Hymn Book, turning to 267. 267, O Word of God incarnate, O wisdom from on high. 267 in the Trinity Hymn Book. Prophet, priest, and king—is he yours? If not, he stands ready. He stands ready to save all who call upon him. We'll be having lunch together, and after lunch, we'll have an afternoon service. So, you can stay and be a part of that as well. You are dismissed.